48K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Andrew Shirovsky. The headlines. A health expert urges the government to bring in vaccine passports so Hong Kong can get back to normal. A lawmaker calls for better COVID-19 testing arrangements to avoid bottlenecks at the border this Lunar New Year. And U.S. officials cut the recommended isolation period for people who've tested positive for COVID but don't have symptoms. A prominent microbiologist, Yun Kwok Yung, has renewed his call for vaccine passports to boost the inoculation rate in Hong Kong. Professor Yun says the government should set a deadline for this and people should be banned from going to work and school if they haven't received two doses of COVID shots by March. Professor Yun said the government should make an announcement as soon as possible or it would miss an opportunity for people to resume normal life as normal. He described the emergence of the Omicron variant as a chance for Hong Kong to reopen to the world, as the symptoms of vaccinated people are mostly mild, even if they're infected. Mainland officials have been urged to improve COVID-19 testing arrangements for Hong Kongers to minimize congestion over the Chinese New Year, which falls in February next year. The mandatory 21-day quarantine on the mainland means that people wishing to travel north to meet relatives have to leave Hong Kong much earlier this year. Lawmaker-elect Bill Tang from the Federation of Trade Unions says many of these travelers are elderly and officials should carry out the required COVID test at quarantine, hosp- uh, quarantine hotels instead of on-site. Don't let the resident wait at the border, but just wait at the desolate hotel to get the test. It is more efficient to solve the problem of uh, waiting on time because the target is uh, go back mainland China before the 1st of February. In the coming week is the peak time, so the improvement is necessary. The district court has found nine people guilty of rioting near the Polytechnic University in 2019 in an incident in which some protesters sought to reach the campus amid clashes between other protesters and police. The defendants aged between 20 and 29 were arrested outside Diocesan Girls' School in Jordan in November two years ago. They all denied the charges. Judge Josiah Lamb ruled that the accused deliberately geared themselves up to take part in the riot and weren't just passers-by. He said they ignored police warnings and stayed at the scene, either to be with the rioters or help the group gain momentum. France is the latest European country to tighten restrictions to curb the spread of the Omicron coronavirus variant, but stopped short of imposing a lockdown. The BBC's Asada Moshiri has more. Starting on Monday, all public gatherings will be limited to 2,000 people for indoor events and 5,000 for outdoor ones. All spectators will also have to be seated at concerts. Food and drinks can only be consumed while seated at bars and restaurants and they'll be banned on all public transport as well as cinemas. Working from home will now be mandatory three days a week where possible, and masks will be compulsory in outdoor city centres in addition to public transport. The measures were announced by the French Prime Minister Jean Castex. All this seems like a film without an ending, but what a change from the situation one year ago. A year ago to the day, Morissette was the first French woman to be vaccinated. Today we are, thanks to collective mobilization, one of the most vaccinated and therefore best protected populations in the world. Health officials in the U.S. have cut in half the recommended isolation period for people who test positive for COVID-19 but don't exhibit symptoms. 
The Centers for Disease Control now says that infected but asymptomatic people should stay at home for five days and wear a mask around other people for a further five. The BBC's Daniel Wittenberg reports. The agency said the new advice was motivated by science, with research suggesting that the Omicron variant may cause milder illness than previous variants, and that infected people were most likely to spread the disease two days before the onset of symptoms and in the three days afterwards. Omicron has sent infections soaring across the United States to 200,000 new cases a day. The U.S. approach is motivated by the concern that the sheer number of people becoming infected and therefore having to isolate would have damaged the ability of hospitals, airlines and other businesses to function as normal. Earlier, President Biden urged state governors to ask the U.S. federal authorities for help if they struggled to cope with the surge in COVID infections. Mr. Biden told an online meeting Americans didn't need to panic and insisted the country was well prepared to deal with the sharp rise in the cases of Omicron variant. Because we have had so many vaccinated and boosted, we're not seeing hospitalizations rise as sharply as we did in March of 2020 or even this past fall. Things are better. But we do know that with the rising cases, we still have tens of millions of unvaccinated people and we're seeing hospitalizations rise. It means our hospitals in some places are going to get overrun, both in terms of equipment and staff. Heavy storms have battered the western United States, leaving thousands of people without power and causing travel chaos. Nearly a meter of snow fell in Northern California over a 24-hour period, closing a 100-kilometer stretch of Interstate 80. The storms dumped snow on mountains, which for years have been parched by drought. Abby Okona is a meteorologist for Fox 30 News. What's happening this winter, it's all part of this big picture. La Nina is happening, and that is bringing the jet stream just directly over the West Coast. We have just been pummeled by very heavy lowland rain, significant mountain snow. So, yes, there's a degree of normalcy here. We see this kind of winter weather. But this is extreme snow, especially for what we're seeing California, Oregon, and Washington. And we're expecting that snow to continue out into the Great Plains and even the Rockies as well. British medical researchers have warned that teenagers whose parents smoke are four times as likely to take up the habit compared with those who live in a smoke-free household. The research is part of a government campaign to encourage people to quit to benefit themselves and their children. The BBC's Tim Muffet has this report. Despite the known links between smoking and poor health, data from the Office for National Statistics shows that one in eight adults in England still smoke. The pandemic hasn't helped, with high rates of quitting, but also high levels of relapse and signs of a rise in smoking among younger adults. New analysis by researchers at Imperial College London shows that teenagers whose parents or caregivers smoke are four times as likely to have taken up the habit. The Indian government has refused to renew permission that's vital for the Roman Catholic charity founded by the late Nobel laureate Mother Teresa to receive foreign funds. The Missionaries of Charity has thousands of nuns supervising projects such as homes for abandoned children, schools, clinics and hospices. The BBC's Anbarasan Etherajan reports from Delhi. The Indian Home Ministry said it did not renew permission to missionaries of charity under the Foreign Contribution Regulation Act because of what it described as some adverse inputs. It did not provide details. One church leader described the freezing of accounts as a cruel Christmas gift to the poorest of the poor. 
Hindu right-wing groups in the past have accused the missionaries of charity of carrying out religious conversions by offering food, free education and shelter to poor Hindus and people from indigenous communities. The organization has denied the allegations. A court in Russia has increased the prison sentence of a prominent historian to 15 years. Yuri Dmitriev had been found guilty of sexually abusing his adopted daughter, taking indecent images of a child, and illegally possessing part of a weapon. He denies the charges. The BBC's Steve Rosenberg reports from Moscow. Mr. Dmitriev's supporters are convinced the case is politically motivated, that the historian and human rights activist has been targeted by Russia's security forces for shining a light on one of the darkest chapters of Soviet history. In 1997, he uncovered a mass grave containing thousands of bodies, people executed during the Great Terror of Joseph Stalin. Yuri Dmitriev heads a local branch of human rights group Memorial, which itself is facing legal action and possible closure this week. An animal shelter in the United States says it was given more than 800 parakeets last week, all by the same person. Staff said they were given a Christmas present that they weren't expecting. The BBC's Alfie Tobat has more. The Detroit Animal Welfare Group said it was shocked when a man showed up at its shelter on Thursday with seven cages crammed full with nearly 500 parakeets. But the last thing staff expected was the same person to return on Sunday with another 339. They were dropped off by the son of a man who'd planned to breed the birds. The group said they'd come from a very unhealthy situation and described the owner as irresponsible. The animals have been found temporary homes and will be put up for adoption after being examined by vets. The Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov has said that Russia and NATO will meet early next month to discuss possible security guarantees. He said the talks would take place soon after Russia's New Year's holidays, which end on the 9th of January. Earlier this month, Moscow published proposals which it said would prevent rivalry with NATO. The jury in the sex trafficking trial of Ghislaine Maxwell have finished their third full day of deliberation after reconvening following the Christmas break. They said they're not yet close to reaching a verdict. Prosecutors accuse a former girlfriend of the late billionaire Jeffrey Epstein, who was serving a jail sentence for sexual abuse when he took his own life, of recruiting underage girls for him. Maxwell denies the charges. Barbados will go to the polls on January the 17th after the Prime Minister announced the dissolution of Parliament during a live TV address. It will be the first election since Barbados became a republic on November the 3rd, removing Britain's Queen Elizabeth as the head of state. Apple says it's closed 12 New York City retail stores due to an increase in COVID-19 cases as the Omicron variant spreads across the United States. However, a spokesman said customers will still be able to pick up online orders at the stores. Earlier this month, Apple said it had temporarily closed three stores in the United States and Canada after a rise in coronavirus cases. It also requires all customers and employees to wear masks at its U.S. retail outlets. A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 23,203. That's 15 points down on the previous close. Turnover stands at $55 billion. In currency, the U.S. dollar is trading at 114.85 to the yen. The euro is standing at 1 U.S. dollar and 13 cents. And the pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 47 cents. To sport...
Australia have won Cricket's Ashes series. Scott Boland skittled England for an embarrassing 68 on Tuesday to win the third test by an innings and 14 runs and retain the Ashes with two tests still to play. The tourists resumed on 31 for four, still 51 runs behind, after a disastrous final hour on Monday against some outstanding fast bowling. Their survival rested on skipper Joe Root, but when he fell for 28, it was just a matter of time before the rest followed. Boland took an incredible six second innings wickets on his test debut for Australia. Now to football and an entertaining game in the English Premier League between Newcastle and Manchester United. Cross from Dallow, Cavani with a shot, come back to him, shoots again, it's deflected in. And Manchester United equalise, and it's Cavani who runs away, punching the air. Edison, Edison Cavani rescued Manchester United in a one-all draw with Newcastle at St. James Park. His second-half equaliser erased a stunning goal by Alan Sam Maximin, who put the hosts in front in the seventh minute. The BBC's John Murray says Newcastle could have taken all three points. Certainly a welcome point for Newcastle, perhaps an unlikely point for Newcastle against a Manchester United side that dropped points in the Premier League for the first time under Ralph Rangnick and at regular intervals displayed the kind of shortcomings that cost Ole Gunnar Solskjaer his job. Newcastle had some chances, first half, but also in the second. Sam Maximan, a glorious opportunity in the six-yard box early on in the piece. Other saves from De Gea, one in particular when he pushed an effort over from Almiron after Murphy had shot from an angle and seen his effort come back out of a post. Ferran Torres has arrived in Barcelona for his medical before completing a 62 million US dollar move from Manchester City. The BBC's Sandy Roger Vachala has more. It seems like a really strange move on the face of this, really, because Barcelona's financial problems, of course, precipitated the departure of Lionel Messi. Uh, they're looking for a new striker as well, though. Uh, Sergio Aguero has had to retire with health issues. Uh, so Torres has been in Spain having his medical today. It's a deal worth around 62 million US dollars. It's only 18 months, though, since the 21-year-old actually joined Manchester City from Valencia. And it is understood, though, that Barcelona are going to have to reduce their wage bill in order to fulfil La Liga financial restrictions. So, expect some more Barca departures when the window opens in January. And looking at the weather, mainly cloudy with sunny intervals with moderate to fresh north to northeasterly winds. The outlook will be mainly fine and dry for the rest of the week. Temperatures will be milder during the day, but it will still be cool in the morning and at night. And to end the news, our top stories one more time. A health expert urges the government to bring in vaccine passports so Hong Kong can get back to normal. A lawmaker calls for better COVID-19 testing arrangements to avoid bottlenecks at the border this Lunar New Year. And U.S. officials cut the recommended isolation period for people who've tested positive for COVID but don't have symptoms. And that's your news from RTHK.
Good afternoon and welcome to the 123 show with me, Sandhya Usmani. Hope you've had a lovely Christmas. I'm sitting in for Noreen today and tomorrow, so I look forward to your company. Now, as you know, I'm a little bit of a foodie, of course, and it's Tuesday today. And I've got a, a very sort of tasty new feature for you today, and it's called Soundbite. I'm going to invite guests into the studio to tell me about a certain food that they like and the special memories that they attach to it. So after 1.30, my guests will be Anwar Arabi and Atif Ali Khan to tell me all about their soundbite. So that is coming up soon. Staying on the theme of food after 2 p.m., Andrew Dembina will be online to give me the latest news from the local and global food and drink scene. 